You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Well, good morning. I tell you, uh, I told the Lord when I was going to to do anything like this, you know, that any time that I stepped up here, that I was going to do it for his glory. And uh, I, I've preached multiple sermons before, and every time when I've got up, I've, I'm always nervous. And I, I told my old pastor, I says, if I ever get up and I'm not nervous, that's when I don't need to be up there. Because it's, I don't take this lightly. Handling God's word, it shouldn't be taken lightly. And, and, and also teaching to his people. Uh, but like Mark said, my name is Alfredo Hernandez, but all my friends call me Fredo. I'm one of the co-leaders here in Club 45 at Bethel, and uh, today I want to talk about change, or what to change, or to be transformed, and how you can learn from that. So if you got your word with you or in your devices, go ahead and start to turn to Romans chapter 12. And as you're doing that, I would like to tell you a little bit about myself. I am 34 years old. I've been following the good Lord for 24 years now. I gave my life to him when I was 10, and I got baptized when I was 13. It's been a journey up and down, but I can always look back and I can see him in my life. Uh, I've been married to my beautiful wife, Jackie, for 16 years. It'll be 17 years in August. We've been actually been dating for 19 years. Uh, we have three kids. My two boys, Jordan and Brayden, who are teenagers, and my princess, my baby girl, Lila. We like to spend a lot of time with family. Family is a big thing for me. We like to go to the lake as much as possible, and we also are a sports family. Uh, we like multiple sports, but the, one of the main sports that we like is uh, basketball. Uh, my boys can sit there and tell you about some high school kids that are up and coming and are looking good before they even sign to a college and people that I've never even heard of yet. Uh, I love my family. One of the things that I always try to teach my boys is to follow the Lord, to, to show them and work that out is to follow the Lord. The second most important thing that I've always tried to teach my kids is to laugh, to find the joy in everything. A couple things that you may not know about me is uh, my favorite kind of music is hip-hop. I do not have a middle name, and I do not like change. To give you a couple of examples, me and my wife still have the same phone carrier since we first got our cell phones. So way back in the day when they had those little Nokia phones, I still got the same phone carrier. I've never changed uh, phone carriers. Still got the same one. We still have the first bank account that we ever opened. Haven't never seen the need in changing and getting a different one. It's still the same. Every time that I go to the donut shop, my order is always the same. I always get a small cheese jalapeno pig and a white sprinkled donut. I don't know what it is about the white sprinkled donut, but I tell you, it's the best one there. If you haven't tried it, take my word for it. And the other thing is, is that uh, I still have the same 
email account that I've ever opened. First one. I don't have multiple emails accounts. I only have one. The only one that I've ever opened. Change can be a difficult thing to do. Change is always happening. Change can be scary. But the good Lord tells us, he says, Haven't I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. He was talking to Joshua in this passage, but that scripture still reigns true to us today. One of my mentors told me that our walk with Christ should be similar to riding a bicycle. Always changing. We should be moving forward, hopefully not backwards, or we're picking ourselves up from falling over. But standing still should not be an option. There are a lot of things that you can change that can help you grow and that can stretch you. Reading your word every day is what somebody told me. Another said their prayer life. He literally gets up every morning, and that is the first thing that he does, is to make sure that he prays, because that helps him grow. Another one said self-discipline, like going to bed early, making sure that he's not watching too much TV and to what he's consuming and what he's bringing into his mind. Another one said serving. He said, especially in the areas that seems outside of his gifting, because that way he has to rely on God more. There are many things that can help you grow that takes change. I want to focus on two things that helped me grow, and I had to change in the process to do that. And it all starts with my wife. A couple weeks ago, my wife was on a... uh, church camp with some of the Bethel members here. She was texting me and she was complaining about her cell phone not having signal. My wife loves to be connected. So she calls me, she texts me, and she says, something needs to change. I do not have service. She says, call the cell phone carrier and tell them that I don't have service and see what you can do. I took that request like, Okay, I'll call them. I like to pick at my wife. I like to be a little bit witty with her at times. And so I had two options come to my mind real quick. I was going to respond to my wife, and I was going to tell her, I said, babe, I got you set up. I've got a crew on the way right now. They're going to be going down about two miles from you, and they're going to erupt a cell phone tower, and you're going to be all right. You're going to have signal." My second option was going to be, you know, babe, I've, I've been on the phone with him for a little bit. I've got in contact with the VP. He's going to move the satellite to your coordinates, and you're going to have signal here in just a minute. The little bit of wisdom that I did have, I chose not to say that to my wife. I could already feel the glare coming to me out of the cell phone all the way from Colorado. So I tell her, I says, well, okay, well, what will it hurt? Let me go ahead and call them and see what they can do. So I got on the phone and I started telling them about the issues that my wife was having with her cell phone. 
And their response got me. I was just like, really? That's it? Because I was on the phone with them for about 20 or 30 minutes. And they basically told me, they said, we're going to refresh her cell phone. And all she needs to do is turn her phone off, wait a couple minutes, turn it right back on. I was like, man, y'all got to come with something better than that. You want me to go tell my wife all she has to do is turn her phone off and then turn it back on? I'm, I'm kind of liking one of my two options now. Because it, it ain't going to work. But that's it. That's all she had to do. All she had to do was turn her phone off and turn it back on. When it comes to change, some of us think that we need something way more complicated than what we really need. To change or to do something different in our walk. In my life and most of everybody's life, one of the things that we have to change, it starts in our mind. And that's where we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It reads, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul is talking to the church of Rome here, some very smart people. But he's saying to not to conform to the world anymore, not to follow that pattern of the world. But by the renewing of our minds, we will be transformed, not only inwardly, but also outwardly. Paul also tells the Corinthians, he says that therefore if anyone is new, anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Most people, people may think that change is going to take a long time. And I want to challenge that kind of thinking because change happens right away. But the results of that change may take a while. If we don't continue to follow the world but renew our mind... Every morning when we get up, we can change for the better. Our walk with the Lord will be better. When someone is trying to lose weight or to get a better lifestyle, it's a daily decision. It doesn't happen overnight, and it takes a lot of hard work. Paul also tells the Romans in chapter 8, he says, The mind of a sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life. And peace. If the enemy can, can take control of our mind, it would only bring forth death and destruction. I struggle with this on a daily basis. That I'm not living up to my calling. That I'm not good enough. That I don't have enough education to teach God's people. It's a daily battle. I have to take those thoughts captive. I always feel like I've been doing an uphill battle from day one, but I know that that is just lies from the enemy because I have been blessed. I mean, super blessed. I've been able to preach in multiple locations to, multiple, to hundreds of people, whether it be under a bridge, at a men's rescue mission, at youth camps, to my coworkers or even my children. The Lord has blessed me to be able to use me for his glory. And I know that if he can use me, he can use anyone. Clint last week preached a great sermon 
on our minds. So I don't want to continue to, to beat a dead horse, but I'll, I encourage you to go listen to his sermon. He came out of Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, and it reads, it says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The mind is a powerful thing, the most powerful thing I think that we have. We need to make up our mind that we want to grow, we want to change, and then do it. In James, it reads, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. And when you do that, find you somebody. Find you a mentor. Find you a coach. Find you a friend. Something along the ways that will help you in your walk. And that brings us to our, my second point is, is in 2 Timothy 2.2. And it reads, he says, this is Paul speaking. He says, And these things we have heard, you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Paul is talking to Timothy here, and he's basically telling him, Find somebody. Find somebody that, to teach, that they may be also to teach others. Paul was Timothy's mentor. And there's been many people in the Bible that have mentors. And I like to look at them as like kind of coaches. They help somebody. They all have different talents to help people grow, in the, grow, which in turn helps the church grow. The best way to have, a, to, to have change is to have a coach, a mentor, or a friend that will be able to help you. Someone that will speak truth into your life and help you along the way. If you look around, a lot of people have coaches. Very talented people have coaches. Some superstars in the NBA have coaches. They help them train. They help them with their diet. They help them to keep their body in shape. But I want to give you some examples of people in the Bible that has had friends and mentors and coaches. Joshua was mentored by Moses. Solomon by David. David by Samuel. Paul mentored Timothy, and Jesus mentored the twelve. Even Jesus said, he said, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. We need somebody in our lives to help us in our walk with Christ. I have been, been super blessed to have been able to be mentored by two great men of God. Both are older than me and both are just beyond wise. Both of them have answered my call in any time of the night. Words cannot express the gratitude that I have towards these men. And I only hope that everybody can find somebody like a friend or a mentor like these two men that I have been able to be blessed with. One of my mentors told me, he says, he says, Fredo, he says, we always need three people. He says, one to pour into us, one to walk alongside us, and then another so we can pour into. Basically the same thing that what Paul is telling Timothy. Find somebody to teach so that way they can teach also. To have a mentor or to have a friend or to have a coach, we have to be humble. 
is the first step. It builds a relationship, but we have to be humble because the word tells us not to think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given us. We can't think that we're better than anybody else or else you won't ever go to somebody and ask for help. We need help so we can grow in relationships with not only somebody else, but also with Christ. Even God looked at Adam and said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. We all need somebody to help us. But be careful because I wouldn't go to somebody who has little kids and ask them how to discipline my teenage boys. It just wouldn't make sense. I'd want somebody who has been there, who has done that. But we can also learn from those who we walk beside, who walks beside us. The word tells us that iron sharpens iron. I have two good friends that, I can, that, that are just like my mentors that I can call upon. And uh, one of them I've known for well over 10 years. Uh, we used to go to Fun Forest and North Tyler, and we used to play basketball together. Uh, whether we won or we lost, it didn't matter, because then afterwards we would try to witness to the guys that we played. You know, if we beat them, it wasn't working out too well, so sometimes it worked better if we lost. They were more receptive that way. I was there when he was, he was just a regular church member in his church, now he's ordained, and he was able to plant him a church in North Tyler uh, called the Kingdom Church. Uh, his name is Darius. I call him D. He is a, a great friend. Uh, he's been there on my ordination night. He's allowed me to speak multiple times in his locations and different locations. I've been able to be blessed to be in the trenches with him in our walk. I have learned a lot from him. And I hope that he's learned a little something from me as well. Now, this other guy that is my good friend, uh, he has a story. He doesn't really like it when I tell the story because it brings back a little bit of pain. Uh, but it, it, it goes along with it well. So I'm going I'm to tell this story to y'all. It was a nice summer evening. We were playing at Lindsay Park here in Tyler. We're playing a softball game for our church. We were not that good. I think the first season that I coached that team, we did not win a game. Second season, I think we might have won one game. Like I said, but we had fun when we were out there, but we were not good. We were in the low loop. They didn't have the lowest of the low or else we would have been in that loop. But anyhow, we're out there and we're playing. I play left center. My best friend, my good man, my right-hand man is literally playing to my right. He's in the left field. We got two outs. We need to get one more out and then we can go back. So we're getting ready. Coming out of the dugout is coming this guy that is just huge. 
I mean, he's, he's jacked. He makes Arnold Schwarzenegger look small when he come up to the plate. The only thing that was in our favor was you couldn't hit home runs. Because if you hit it out of the park, that's three out. So we were kind of hoping that the dude was just going to knock it out of the park because all he had to do was just barely swing. But, you know, it didn't work in our favor that way. So he gets up to the plate, and he's sitting ready, and he's sitting there. And then our pitcher looks at us, and he looks directly in the left field, left and left center, and he looks at me and my buddy, and he says, scoot back. And we're like, oh, yeah, we know this. And so we're scooting back. We're getting ready. First pitch comes, and it's high. And we're launching it, and that man just looks at it all the way to the plate. It's like he's toying with us. And so we're still, we're getting down and we're ready. So here comes the pitcher. And every time the pitcher, he looks back at us. And so here it comes again, the second pitch. Lobs it. It looks good. It looks good from the outfield. So I'm breaking down and I'm getting ready. Guy starts to talk an easy swing. And you hear it come off the bat. It cracks. This is pow. The ball goes sky high to my right. I'm looking, I'm turning, I look at my buddy, he's watching that ball, and we both take off running. We're running as hard as we can to our right-hand side. And so I am running, I'm looking at my buddy, I'm looking at that ball, I'm looking at him, he's tracking it like a champ. He is on it. So I, what do I do? I start encouraging him. You got it. You got it is what I tell him. And he's running, and he's, he's not even looking. He's just going. And I'm behind him, and I'm in, in excitement. I'm almost jumping with joy because we're about to get this out. And I'm yelling at him, you got it, you got it, you got it. Keep going. Until something changes. My buddy, listening to me while he's encouraged, while I'm encouraging him, runs full speed into the fence and falls flat on his back. Didn't take long and I was up there on him and I was scared to death. He gets up and I'm like, are you all right? And he says, did I catch it? (laughs) I was like, it would have been a whole lot cooler if you did. (laughs) And I'm looking at him and he's got blood coming down off the side of his face. It's coming down off of his eye. And it's down around his neck. And so I throw off my glove real quick. And I says, wipe your neck. Because I don't know if his neck's cut, if his neck's bleeding. And so I'm ready to choke him out if I need to. And I can already see it in the stands that the people are going like, man, he's choking him out. He didn't catch the ball. Look at this. It's bad. <laughs> but he does. He wipes his neck. The blood don't come back. And I was like, okay, he's good to go. And I says, are you Okay. He says, yeah, I'm all right. I'm a little bit dazed. He says, but I, I think I'll be all right. I said, okay. I said, well, come on back, and let's get back in the spot. Because the big dude's still out there. Literally, Goliath is sitting at the plate. We got to get him out. And he says, all right. So he comes back on the plate. And we're ready. About, this took about 10, 15 minutes. We're sitting there. We're ready. Next pitch. Pitcher sits there, and he lobs it up. Dude doesn't even hesitate. Crocs it. Looking up, I look, 
I said, oh, no. You've got to be kidding me. You can only guess where the ball's going. It's going right back to my buddy. This time, I'm not saying anything. It's like the, the movie, if you've ever seen The Sandlot, that's what it kind of looks like. He don't have to go anywhere. He's just got to stand his glove up because the ball's coming right to him. But I'm still scared and I'm nervous, and so I'm booking it. I'm trying to run to him. I'm literally going to try to Superman it in front of him because I know that he's not 100%. I know that he's still kind of dazed a little bit. That ball comes all the way up, and it starts to come down. Hits my buddy's tip of his glove and busts him right in the face. Oh, I felt bad. Bad. Because, see, I was the coach, and I could have told him to sub out when he ran into the fence. But I didn't. He had to leave that day, and he had to go get stitches in his face. I always tie that story in to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 12. It says, it says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity on the man that has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three is not quickly broken. We all need a friend that's going to be able to help us when we're down. But be, but be cautious that that friend isn't going to encourage you to run into a brick wall or a fence. Even after all that, he still calls me friend. He still shows up to support me while I'm preaching, and, and I'm blessed to call him friend. With this sermon, I've asked multiple people a question. And the question that I've always asked these people, I says, what's one thing that you have to change or that you have changed that has helped you grow? You've heard their answers. So I'll ask you the same question. What do you need to change to help you grow? Change is always happening. Even here in this body, change is happening. In August, we'll be going to two service. There's room for people to make up a mind, make up their mind, and to step out of their comfort zone and try something new. It may even help you grow. You'll be planted with somebody that will be able to encourage you and to teach you anything that you need to know, like a mentor or a coach. When I first started off doing anything uh, for the church, I always started off in children's church or with the children. And it's, it's the greatest thing to ever do I, that I have found is with the children. For one, the children don't know when you mess up. And even if you do, they still love you. Maybe today you need to change your life for the better. I'd love to talk with you. 
I don't know all the answers, but I'm not afraid to go to somebody and ask the questions. We can walk together. Lastly, as I close, I would like to tell you one last story. It starts off with a question. It starts off, it says, five seagulls are sitting on a dock. One of them decides to fly away. How many seagulls are left? Simple math, I thought. Four. But I kept reading. There are still five. Deciding to fly away and actually flying away are two different things. Despite popular belief to the contrary, there's absolutely no power in intentions. The seagull may intend to fly away, may decide to do so, may even talk to the other seagulls about how wonderful it is to fly, but until the seagull flaps his wings and takes to the air, he is still on the dock. There is no difference between that goal and all the others. Likewise, there is no difference in the person who intends to do something differently and the one who never thinks about it in the first place. Andy Andrews wrote that. Again, and I'll leave you with this verse from James. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Don't let what you've learned die with you. Make a change. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at BethelBible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.